DJ and PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Time to talk NBA draft with Eric Walden, Utah Jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. July is considered Smart Irrigation Month to celebrate. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is giving away free smart controllers to commercial properties until the end of July. Hosting costs not included. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333 for more info. Eric, good morning. How's it going, Mr. DJ? It's going pretty well. I haven't seen you in a long time in person. I mean, I've seen you in Zoom. Yeah. Uh, but as Kyle Whittingham said at Media Day, I am so sick of Zoom I could puke. <laughs> do you think we're going to be Zooming, or do you think we're about to resume what we referred to in the Bowl four times as normal activity? Well, uh, you know, it's funny. We had Some of us beat writers had a conversation with uh, Jazz PR the other day about um, how to kind of approach draft coverage because in previous years you know they had us all over to uh the zbbc to hang out and watch it and and be there for when you know the jazz made their picks and Dennis and justin would come out and and talk to us and we debated you know how are how's everyone feeling about hanging out in person this year and doing it and uh it sounds like it's a go so you know those of us who are vaccinated are going to be getting together at the Zion Bank basketball campus tomorrow, and hopefully that's the start of uh, a lot more in-person stuff to come. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if TV and radio get invited. Can't wait to see how that plays out. Nobody likes you TV and radio guys. Oh, we're aware. We're aware of that. Don't worry. You're too pretty. You make us all feel bad. And that has literally never been said to me in my entire life. (laughs) So... That brings up the point, are you going to be over there to hear who they drafted and why? Are you going to be over there to hear that they've traded out of the 30th pick and why? That's a good question. It it, it won't shock me if they trade out of the 30th pick. I guess the question is going to be how do they pull it off? Um, You know, everyone's kind of, you know, the scuttlebutt seems to be that they'd like to move up. And there certainly are teams that would be amenable to letting them move up. The, the question becomes, how do they go about doing that? Because they don't have their own second round pick to throw in a deal this year. They don't. They probably are not going to have their first round pick next year because they still owe one to Memphis from the Mike Conley deal. And that seems likely to convey next year. Uh, the Jazz would have to absolutely crater the season and finish in the, you know, top, finish in the bottom six worst teams in the league last year in order to keep that pick. Uh, they don't have their own second-round pick next year, you know, so, so you can kind of see where we're going. Do they attach a player to make it happen? Uh, you know, do they, do they wind up having to attach this year's pick to the likes of Derek Favors in order to move his salary off the books? So... I, I do expect them to move it one way or another, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how they pull that off and, and what exactly their their priority is in doing that. Rudy's 29 years old. 
Donovan is done with his rookie contract now. He's into the second contract, which is, for lack of a better phrase, the unrestricted contract. Excuse me, the restricted contract. Uh, you know, the third deal, you're an unrestricted free agent. So Donovan signed for five years, but the fifth is his option. So it seems like the Jazz have a three- to four-year window to win now. Do you yeah, think I mean, they are all in on the winning now part and are not eliminating, because you never eliminate it, but de-emphasizing the whole draft development thing and that that roster spot and money is better spent on a veteran who, while not useful all the time, could be useful in one or two playoff series? Yeah, I think that's absolutely probably what their priority is. You know, um, you finish with the best record uh, in the regular season this year, Con- you know, I'm sure, I don't know if they would admit to it being a surprise to them, but I think it was a surprise to a lot of people. There, You know, if you recall, there were some people predicting the Jazz were going to miss the playoffs entirely this season. So them finishing first was certainly a surprise to some people. But, you know, now that you've shown you can get there, but, um, you know, continue to have that, that heartbreak in the postseason, it seems that uh, they've got great motivation to really kind of go for it because yeah, you know, as, as you mentioned, they're in that spot now where, uh, you know, Donovan's making a bunch of money. Rudy's making a bunch of money. These guys are established in the league. Uh, if you can bring Mike Conley back, you know, he's on the, he's on the back nine of his career and doesn't probably have too many more seasons of, of elite level play. So yeah, they've definitely got to be in, uh, win now mode. They've got to be in go for it mode. So, yeah, the question becomes, how do they do that? You know, which which kind of players can they target for that? Because yeah, obviously, you know, you don't know what you're going to get for all the for all the complaining about you know taking Doke instead of Desmond Bain a year ago. Does does Desmond Bain prove the guy who would have got this team into the NBA Finals? I, you know, I, I, I like my chances with uh, Nick Batum a lot better, you know, if all things being equal. But, um, yeah, I think I think they're more inclined to go for veteran help. Again, they're going to be trying to navigate, you know, some, some tricky circumstances with the salary cap. Uh, just because, as you mentioned, you know, Donovan goes from a rookie scale contract to an NBA all-star and near all-NBA team contract. You know, Rudy got uh, has has his extension kicking in. So even before we get to Mike Conley, this is becoming an expensive team. And you know, it's it's easy for fans to say, "Hey, Ryan Smith's a billionaire; just spend the money." Uh, you know, that, that's true up to a point. Um, it's not your money. You know, it's, it's real easy to give away someone else's money. Um, and and he's looking at a huge tax bill as it stands right now. So, you know, there's going to there's gonna be some trickiness going on there. Rudy and Donovan combined are going to make a little over $63 million next year. So let, yeah. let that sink. And it just goes up, right, at 68 yeah. to $73.5 million, and up it goes. So you've already mentioned the possibility of moving Derek Favors' contract. Who do you think is the Jazz backup center? Or for la- for backup center might not be... Right. Who handles the ten to fifteen minutes a game that Rudy Gobert doesn't play? That's that's an excellent question. You know, um, they're going to have to really start looking into who's available on the market because I think, you know, they <laughs> that that Clippers series really kind of 
drove home the need for a little bit more versatility. You know, um, obviously, I'm sure they'd like uh, Udoka Azubuki to take a step forward this year. And, you know, if nothing else, he's the guy. But I think they would like a guy like a Nick Batum to be able to step in, um, you know, if possible. He's a guy who, for most of his career, was was a three um, in Portland and, and Charlotte. And then the way the league has gone, he became a four and, and now even the way he played last year with the Clippers on a minimum contract, you know, we saw him at the five a lot. Um, the question is going to be, you know, is it, is it feasible to bring him in? You know, he, he played on a minimum deal for the Clippers last year. He played well enough. I don't think he's gettable for a minimum again. So the question becomes, you know, do they want to spend the taxpayer mid-level exception, which is going to be what, six and a half, a little less than $7 million this year on Nick Batum. And can you get him for that? And otherwise, you know, you're looking at, uh, can you afford a Bobby Portis? Can you afford, you know, a, a Nerland Noel, someone like that? Um, these are, these are the kind of guys they are going to be looking at. The question is, are they going to be priced out of guys like that? So it's a, it's a good question, DJ. So do you think that, um, Joe Ingles, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Jordan Clarkson is in a similar price range. They're all over $10 million in salary. Does that group return to run it back one more time, or do you think there's a possibility they're going to get aggressive and we'll see roster changes that might surprise some people? I think there's a possibility of it. You know, um, like I said, you know, I, I brought up the favors one, I think, as the season went on and, and then especially how the playoffs unfolded. There was some. There's a little bit of buyer's remorse there, not because you know anyone's disappointed in Derek Favors. He he obviously is a solid citizen and and, and did what they asked him to and did the best he could. But um, just the fact that you know it, his play clearly diminished and and you know here he is making the mid level exception. If they could find someone to take that, I think he'd be option number one. Um, Joe Ingles is an interesting one just because he's in the final year of his deal. Um, you know, he's, he's making, I want to say, a little over $13 million is his cap hit this coming season. Uh, much as we all love Joe, you know, I think it's, it's fair to wonder at this point, is that a bit too much for what we can expect of him going forward? Uh, I, I think it's fair to say his defense has dropped off a little bit. Um, I think we saw that their plan to kind of use him as the de facto, you know, second string point guard uh, did not really kind of pay off the way they wanted, you know, and, and he clearly is better suited for a secondary playmaking role. So he's a candidate um, with Boyan. It's a little trickier because he's got two years left on his deal for more money. Um you know, can you find someone that wants him at 18.7 million this year, 19.6 next year? And, you know, again, what are you getting back for these guys becomes the point. You know, at, at what point are you decimating a team uh, excessively, you know, that finished first in the Western Conference? At, at what point do you want to? Uh, you know, say, well, we need to change this and this and this. How much, you know, at, at what point does it become a little too reactionary in kind of, uh, you know, 
killing the identity of this team for the sake of reacting to how one specific series went. So we can talk about the depth of a team as much as we want, but we've seen star power drive championship teams for decades. And even though the NBA changes, Giannis Antetokounmpo has three 40-point games in the NBA Finals, 50 in the clinching game, and they get the championship. Donovan Mitchell has found another gear every year he's been in the league. At some point he will peak, but has that happened yet, or do you think he's going to come back even better in the next season? I expect Donovan's going to come back better. You know, I, I think a lot of people in the league feel this way, that, um, you know, he's, he's on the verge of becoming just an absolute scoring superstar. You know, um, he hasn't necessarily needed to do that in the regular season just because of the way this team has been constructed and the fact that, you know, Mike Conley had his first all-star season and Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, when he's healthy and when his wrist is right, is a, is a great secondary option. Um, but we've seen him have those moments in the postseason. You know, he's, he's one of the top all-time points-per-game scorers in NBA playoff history. And granted, his sample size is smaller than a lot of the old-timer guys who he's ahead of right now. And, and you would expect, you know, that when he gets a little older and into his career, maybe that'll decline a little bit. But, yeah, there's absolutely room for him to continue that upward trajectory. And, and I don't think anyone uh, believes that he's, that he's at his peak yet, you know. Um, Rudy Gobert loves to tell us every season that he's only scratching the surface. And, and maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole with Rudy. I don't feel like that's that's the case with Donovan yet. Um, I feel like there's there's more room to go. I mean, uh, if you had asked someone a couple years ago who's the better shooter between Devin Booker and, and then Donovan Mitchell, you know, 99 people out of 100 tell you Devin Booker. And is that the case anymore? I mean, you look at their shooting splits, and Donovan was a lot more efficient this last season on a lot more attempts per game, you know? And that wasn't his game coming into the league. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to be excited about there in terms of, in terms of his upcoming growth. Mione, Jawan Morgan, Elijah Hughes, are any of these guys about to take the step that in previous seasons we saw Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles take, where they went from the fringe of the roster into the rotation and contributed? Um, you got any higher hopes for any one of those guys than anybody else? Uh, I would honestly be a little surprised if Jawan Morgan is back on the team this coming season. I don't have any inside intel on that, but just given, you know, kind of the way they need to go. And, and from what I've seen of him, I don't have a whole lot of hope there. Mie, I know that there's still some kind of internal hope that, that he can become, you know, that he can fulfill some of that uh, perimeter wing defense that they're that they're so badly needing. But um, I don't know. The, the guy is so foul prone. You know, he picks up two fouls on his way to the scorer's table every game. Um that and I just don't know if the if the shot is going to be consistent enough. I would say, you know, in my view, Elijah Hughes maybe has the best uh, potential there of the three to become something. But um, just given how the rookie season went, you know, again, that's that's a difficult projection to make. But of the three, he's probably the one who I personally would lean towards the most. 
So you got anybody in this NBA draft you really love, even if the Jazz can't move up to get him? Someone who's going to be the next big star, and you are convinced this is the guy? Yeah, Cade Cunningham. You heard of him? I have. <laughs> but I've seen number one picks flame out before, so not everybody's on the same page. I didn't want to bias you by leading the, leading the witness, Your Honor. <laughs> no, there's, you know, I, I don't study the NBA draft with the same intensity and fervor and duration that uh, the great Tony Jones does. <laughs> a college basketball fanatic and, and, and is watching games nonstop all season long. I'm more a guy who pays, you know, attention here and there during the season, but, um, you know, I'm mostly focused on what's going on in the NBA. And then, and then once the Jazz season over is over, I really kind of take a deep dive in, into, you know, the college basketball season. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of guys who I've come to like and, and think something of in terms of guys who are maybe closer the Jazz's range, I think Oregon's Chris Duarte is, is going to be a great plug-and-play uh, 3.3 and D kind of a guy. Um, you know, a lot of teams are maybe a little leery of him just because he's 24 and you don't get the same number of years out of him. Um, but again, I don't think he lasts to where they can get within range to. I've heard uh, he, he may go, you know, in the teens at this point, in the mid-teens at that. Um who else? I'm trying to think of some names that uh, you know might be in the in the 20s. I've heard that uh, Ayo Desunmo of, of Illinois is the guy who's starting to kind of creep back up. He was the guy who was initially thought to be a late second round or a late first round pick, kind of dropped into the middle of the second round at one point. And now seems to be creeping back up. A lot of teams think you know he's a great ball handler and and is a very switchable wing. Uh, six five guy out of out of Illinois. Um, who else? Josh Primo is out of Alabama. Is the kid I really like, but uh, I don't know that he makes a ton of sense for the Jazz just because he's the youngest guy in the draft this year. He's eighteen years old, and if he were to stay in the draft and come out next year, uh, probably would be a top ten pick. This year, you're paying for a guy who can give you. Some shooting immediately, but who's going to need a lot of work elsewhere. So uh, those, those are some of the names that, that stand out to me. Well, as always, we appreciate the time, Eric. Thanks for coming back on the show and uh, spelling out the draft for us. And uh, we'll see if they, if they make the trade. I, I expect that's the way it's going, but it's hard to know because you never know what someone's going to call an offer at the last second. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that we're hearing, that a lot of teams you know, are, are really kind of expecting a ton of movement this year in the draft, but that, uh, you know, maybe not a ton of that happens beforehand, you know, that, it's, that it is indeed kind of a last-minute thing. So we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled and, and see how it goes. And uh, in the meantime, thanks for having me on, and it was great having a civilized, polite, professional conversation with you and not that other guy. No, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> See, people buy that stuff, but you know, you and he know each other better than you and I. Yeah. You've uh, got you've got Tribune history backstory. Yeah, PK and I go way back. I, I first got to know him when I was just a uh, dumb know nothing student at the University of Utah trying to find my way in the in the Utah sports market and uh Believe it or not, PK was actually a guy who, who was kind enough to 
take me under his wing and, and kind of help me out and, and, and teach me a thing or two. So, and then yeah, you come uh, on his radio I, I show him. and light him up. Is that how, well, he'd expect nothing less actually though. So yeah. Probably, right. probably works I out. I mean, this is, this is how PK and I go, you know? There you go. Well, Eric, we appreciate the time. Uh, and people can follow you at Trib Jazz on Twitter for all the draft updates, right? That's right. There it is, at Trib Jazz. All right, thanks, Eric. Thanks, DJ. Bye. Eric Walden, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. Stay with us. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The update from Tokyo brought to you by Davis Vision. Davis Vision loves teachers. If you're a teacher who needs LASIK, Davis Vision wants to give back. Schedule a free consultation appointment and inquire about additional savings to their summer sale price. Call them today at 801-253-3080 or check them out at davisvisionmd.com. All right, time to get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show. We started with some of the highlights from the Pac-12, me today. And I thought Britton Covey, that interview was a highlight. He <laughs> he should be teaching master classes and PR to everyone. The truth is, in pro sports, and now in places in college sports, everybody's making so much money. They figure they don't need the free media. Why bother? Give them cliches if you talk to them at all. Of course... Once access is lost, then the media gets more analytical and more critical, and then people complain more, and then there's less access. And it becomes a, a feedback loop I don't think is any good for anyone, but pfft, nobody asked me, so I move along. But he really did give you insight. If you're a Ute fan, you ought to go back to 1280thezone.com and listen to the whole thing. I'm about to recount some of it, but I won't do it justice. 70% of all communication is nonverbal. you got to hear... The tone of his voice, his inflection, the way he says stuff. He's all for slowing down the hype train on Charlie Brewer. PK brought up the point, hey, 9,000 yards is awesome, but the Big 12 defenses aren't exactly elite. And he really broke down what Charlie did. And as a former quarterback in high school, Britton had an appreciation for it. Trust the matchup. He only threw to Samson Nakua in high school when Samson got open. And he had a great completion percentage, as he pointed out, because of that. But he could have tried to throw him open and let Samson Nakua win jump balls. And he didn't do it. He says Brewer really trusts matchups. And he goes back to this whole issue with the passing game that the Utes have had for a decade that transcends who the quarterback is, who the receivers are, and who the offensive coordinator is. The only constant is Kyle. But if they ever really had a quarterback who could look at a receiver and say, you own this matchup. At the line of scrimmage, I look, and, and, and Britton was very into the pre-snap reads. He said, Tyler Huntley did it, and it's how Brewer plays too. Pre-snap, he knows the matchup he really wants to go to. He knows. That pre-snap read tells him what he needs to know. He said, but Brewer trusts these matchups in a way that you know, he never did as a player. 
and he really appreciates it. So slow down the hype train, but watch for this. The Britton Covey stuff is good. There was a lot of good stuff at Pac-12 Media Day. It's all up at 1280thezone.com. Wherever you get podcasts, anything you miss on the station, you can get there. You can listen later. And Scotty G was just showing me some of the numbers yesterday, and many of you already understand this. (laughs) Holy cow. But I'd advise you to go there and listen to a lot of stuff. Uh, Kyle Whittingham is there. Um, There's a whole list of cast of characters, coaches and players from all around the Pac-12. But the Britton Covey thing really jumped out at me, and we replayed it this morning. So it's out there for you if you want it. Uh, The other thing was that um, Stuart Mandel has a quote from Kyle Whittingham on realignment. This is just the beginning. The entire landscape of college football and its structure is going to change dramatically. Bottom line is everyone's got to situate themselves in the best financial arrangement, and everyone's going to be scrambling to not be left out. That's Kyle's quote. And that is such a Kyle quote. On the surface, there's nothing explosive. But when you really let it sink in, he's not kidding. The entire landscape of college football and its structure is going to change dramatically. So when you say USC and Oregon would never leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten or the ACC, that door's open. The entire landscape of college football and its structure is going to change dramatically. Kyle is saying that's open. Bottom line is everyone's got to situate themselves in the best financial arrangement and everyone's going to be scrambling to not be left out. Kyle's saying it's all about the money. Does Texas put themselves in a situation where it's going to be hard to compete and hard to win championships the way Texas fans expect them? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Based on brand, Texas should have only been battling Oklahoma. Now, the fact is, Texas had a hard time catching Kansas State and Iowa State. So now in the SEC, based on brand, Texas should be battling Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, and Florida. Back in the day, kids, there were eight teams in a league. Now there's seven brand names in a 16-team league. And someone has to be the seventh best. And bad news, just because you've got the brand name doesn't mean that you're better than Missouri any more than it meant you were better than Iowa State. But Kyle is pointing out people are going to gamble that and they are going to sacrifice that to get the best financial arrangement. Rivalries will come and go. And nothing says that better in Texas and Texas A&M. They were together in the Southwest Conference. They thought it was important to stay together in the Big 12. A&M got sick of Texas and bolted and went to the SEC, and they don't play each other. Not even in a bowl game the way BYU and Utah did in Las Vegas. And now all the reporting out of the SEC, I won't, I won't make you dig into this, but the commissioner knew what was going on, and he's got an executive committee that presumably knew what was going on, and A&M was on the executive committee and didn't know what was going on. Presumably because people in the SEC were afraid A&M would try to mess it up. So now A&M, Texas are back together again. Rivalries will come and go. Rivalries are important to us, and they're important to a lot of fan bases, but Utah and BYU aren't in the same league. Kansas and Missouri aren't in the same league. Pitt and Penn State aren't in the same league. Pitt and West Virginia aren't in the same league. I mean, we can go on and on with this. Texas and Texas A&M come and go. 
and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State have just gone. But Oklahoma and Nebraska, that was an awesome rivalry, and it went away. Everyone's going to be scrambling not to be left out, Kyle says. If you're a Ute fan, you officially have the okay from the head coach to start sweating this. Everyone is going to be scrambling to not be left out. So if you're a Ute fan and thinks, we belong, but Oregon State and Washington State should be scrambling, Kyle says everyone. He thinks Oregon State and Washington State will be scrambling. But he says everyone. He thinks the Utes will be scrambling. And let's be honest. USC and Oregon are looking around because they're scrambling. Because they don't want to be getting $60 million in TV money from the Pac-12 when the SEC is getting $90 million. Because USC and Oregon fans expect to beat Alabama and Auburn. That's been a little difficult lately. I don't know if you've noticed. So whatever that was that just happened, and it felt like an earthquake with Oklahoma and Texas, you read those Kyle quotes, and it feels like it's going to happen again. And the Pac-12 will be in the middle of it. So they got to figure something to do to be proactive before two, four, six, or eight Pac-12 teams take off and leave 10, 8, 6, or 4 Pac-12 teams scrambling. And if I were one of those teams left scrambling, I would not want to be in that situation. But I'd look at partnering up with some California schools and or some Big 12 schools and thinking, man, if these leagues are going to eat their own, we still have a chance to be the fourth best league in the country. For the last few years, the Pac-12 has been the fifth best league. And now they'll be the fourth. But if half the Pac-12 is going to take off, that'll suck and we will have a day to mourn that and we will cry and we will rage against the heavens. And then we will get on with making the best of it. Because that's what all but about 20 schools are going to have to do. Make the best of it. And there's plenty of crazy rumors right now. Ohio State and Michigan to the SEC. And I've already seen people saying, that's not happening. Well, all the rumors can't happen. But my gosh, everything's being considered. Everything's on the table. And that's what that Kyle Whittingham quote says. All right, we talked NBA draft today. Chad Ford, Eric Walden, Chad Ford, NBA draft expert, proprietor of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board newsletter and podcast, and Eric Walden, jazz beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. They both uh, lean towards the jazz trading. Nobody wants to guarantee anything because, honestly, at this point, teams may not even know what their best offer is. You could be somebody else's plan C. But plan C may, you know, if A and B fall apart, plan C moves to the front. And so even though you don't think it's going to happen now, it might. But the basic logic, and I think everyone sees this, is the Jazz championship window is now. Donovan Mitchell is under contract now. Rudy is 29. Rudy is 7'2 and moves like few other big men move. But get to 32 or 33, that might, that might not be true anymore. Maybe it will be. Maybe, maybe he'll be freakish in the way Carl Malone was and still... Carl Malone at 35-36 could still change ends of the floor in the blink of an eye. He could, whoever was matched up with him, man, you better get ready to run because Carl is changing ends and he's probably going to beat you down court. And if you're 25, he doesn't care. He'll beat you down court. And maybe Rudy can do that and beat Father Time. LeBron James, Chris Paul seem to be having some success in that area right now. But if you're a jazz, if you're in jazz management, or if you're a jazz fan and you like to pretend you're in jazz management, 
or your media that covers the jazz and you like to pretend you're jazz management, the next three or four years, you're a championship contender. Maybe you will be after that. Maybe you won't be. But you are right now. You had the best record in the NBA. And it looks wide open next year. The Lakers need to make moves. And even if they do and the moves look great, we don't know that their top two players are going to be healthy. Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers, don't know that he's going to be healthy. Jamal Murray with the Nuggets, don't know he's going to be healthy. There's question marks all over the place. So don't be surprised if the Jazz trade out. Now, they can trade up. Maybe they get somebody they really like. That's a possibility. You can't rule it out. But at this point, nobody holds all the cards and nobody knows for sure. What happens in... And then Chad talked about this, that once you get past pick five, there's two or three spots that, that could be traded. So between six and 12, look out. There might, there might be some moves there. And then everything shakes down from there. Draft is tomorrow night. It's, it's a weird deal. It, for a long time, we could really look at the NBA draft, and we saw the players and we knew. And then, well, we don't know quite as much because guys are coming from overseas and we can't know. And Chad Ford identified four guys who will probably go in the top 15 who could be good players in the NBA. And we don't know about those guys. But now there's guys going to the G League. So we don't really know about those guys. And the fact is, even though it sounds like a pat answer, it's turned out to be true. The whole internal development thing, that's an easy thing to say. But we saw internal development with Donovan Mitchell. We saw it with Rudy Gobert. We saw it in a big way with Royce O'Neal and Joe Ingles. Two guys weren't even in the NBA. They were playing overseas. So since we don't get to do the one-on-one interviews and we don't get to talk to all the people, high school coaches, college coaches, AAU coaches, people who've competed with and against these players, we don't have a good read on really who has the mindset and the drive to get a lot better. And all these guys are projects. I mean, you can be a top five player and you got to be a project. We've seen Suggs. We all love Suggs. PK has professed his love for Suggs' game so many times, and nobody ever argues with him. And you guys love to argue with PK. I might even like to argue a time or two, too. But nobody's like, PK, you're up in the night on Suggs. Everybody thinks that dude's awesome. And Chad comes on and says, here's how he's got to get better. Everybody's a project, even the top five picks. So the draft kind of takes some of the fun away from it. But it's also good to be surprised. But it is hard, it is hard to predict what is going to happen. As we found out, even for the people making the picks, it's hard to predict. Because we're easy to p- predict. Giannis Antetokounmpo would have gone earlier. Kawhi Leonard would have gone earlier. And Donovan Mitchell would have gone earlier. And Rudy Gobert would have gone a lot earlier. So check out Chad Ford. Check out Eric Walden. You can hear both those interviews at 1280thezone.com. Get yourself up to speed for the draft tomorrow night. And with Eric, we went through some other stuff on the roster, too. Likelihoods, likelihood of moves with guys who are in the starting lineup, that kind of stuff. It's all available at 1280thezone.com or wherever you get podcasts. All right. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The Top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's Top 1660 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. All right, it is time for your feedback, and we got a little... Olympic basketball feedback. Australia beat Italy 86-83. 
Joe Ingles, 2-0 now. They're rolling. Looking good. Chasing that first Olympic basketball medal for Australia. Predictably, Joe dropped a quote in the postgame after that that has caught people's attention. Fan of Aussie basketball tweeted it at uh, multiple members of the local sports media. Joe Ingles was told by an Italian journalist that he was Simone Fontecchio's idol. The Italian had a game-high 22 points. Joe responded, quote, I'm whose idol? Oh bleep, he needs a better idol. Joe Ingles. Still working it. Working for laughs, that is. I got this guy. Sometimes people tweet stuff at me, and it's like the whole premise throws me. Kendall tweets at me. So a photo uh, from a uh, big crowd at a at the Padres game last night, and whoever took it, I assume it's Kendall or someone with Kendall, was sitting high up in right field. Don't tell me San Diego isn't a sports town. Petco is sold out versus the A's. San Diego State football could be much bigger in the right power conference. Make it happen, David DJ James. Okay, first off, I don't guide uh, conference realignment, so that can't happen. Don't tell me San Diego isn't a sports town. Everywhere is a sports town. If you are somewhere and you have a winner, the place is packed. Everywhere is a sports town. Who said it wasn't a sports town? I mean, the Chargers moved because someone gifted them a, a brand new stadium. <laughs> what's, what's that got to do with anything? Before they started uh, flirting with L.A., they had sold out crowds for years. They had huge crowds there. You can go on YouTube and see like Monday Night Football games with flyovers and all sorts of craziness. San Diego State could be much bigger in the right power conference. Anybody could be much bigger in the right power conference. Yes! San Diego State gets into Pac-12 when USC and UCLA leave, and not before. <laughs> that's, that's how that works. Once academics aren't quite the priority, and once uh, people want a presence in California to recruit in California, that's what opens the door for San Diego States and Fresno States of the world. If the four California schools join with Oregon and Washington and split for the ACC or the Big Ten, then San Diego State and Fresno State have a chance. Before then, they have a 0% chance. Not happening. Stay Swifty. Hey, DJ, was it you covering the Jazz draft party when we drafted Stevenson? No idea, dude. That was 20 years ago. Probably. Sure. I mean, I went pretty much every year. There were a couple exceptions, but yeah, I was probably there. Got a lot of people saying, wow, this is scary. This video has gone viral many times over now. Saturday, I think it was Saturday, there was a rock fall in India. And somebody videotaped it from the deck. And honestly, it doesn't look all that different than Snowbird. I mean, it is different, but it looks different. And I tweeted out where and when did this happen because I saw it on Sunday. It turned out it happened on, in India on Saturday. And have you seen it, Yak? The rock I, comes down and takes out the bridge. I tweeted it out last night. Nine people were killed in that rock. Really? Side. But I, hey, anybody who hasn't seen this video, you can go to either DJ's feed or my feed. We've got it both yeah. up there. 
you watch that and you think it's coming from like a movie. It's a CGI deal. It does, yeah. But it is legitimately real life. These boulders are absolutely gargantuan that are falling off that mountain. And there goes the bridge again. Yeah, that, that bridge just folds like a piece of paper. Nine people were killed, huh? Were there people in those cars and homes on the other yeah, side so of the river? There were nine, according to what I read, there were nine tourists who were in a car in the area uh, and Boulder smashed into it. Oof. Yeah, not good. All right, DJ PK, uh, we are all done. Hands and Scotty are coming up next. Stay with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Remember, anything you missed is up at 1280thezone.com.